Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to episode number two of the BASAC View. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in and has been listening so far. We're so happy to have you. That's right. It's Kayla and Michelle here with the Battleford and Area Sexual Assault Center. That's right. Uh, like Michelle said, my name is Kayla and I'm part of the outreach team here with Michelle at BASAC. Where I do the program coordinating. And typically we go into the school's Um, to do the programming there, but we haven't been able to, sadly, of course, with what's going on in the world. So this is, this is how we're handling that. The next best thing. The next best thing. Typically right now we'd be working with students anywhere from pre-K to high school. And one of the programs that we do is called KidSmart. KidSmart. And it's such a fun program and it runs about 12 weeks, depending on, um, you know, the timing that the school has. And it combines two of our programs body science and the protect yourself rules. Um, and it's very important in the body science. We teach something that we think is critical for kids to know. And that is what to call their genitalia. (laughs) I mean, to put it simply, right? (laughs) Right. Because people use a lot of like weird and confusing names for the male and female genitalia, right? Like we have heard the weirdest names for me personally, growing up peach, Peach. Peach. When you have a name, something, something, something like generic as that, it's kind of like a cookie, right? Yes. So uncle touched my peach. Okay. You know, like a, a teacher or somebody that you tell would have been like, oh, it's oh very, well, don't it's, yeah. share your peach with uncle. <laughs> it's <laughs> very know? unclear at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. right? Yeah. Very unclear. So when using inaccurate names for body parts may seem unimportant for some people, Like Michelle said, it is absolutely crucial. It's so important to use the anatomically correct names for body parts. Because without this proper terminology, children have a very, very difficult time telling someone about inappropriate touching because it's misleading, right? If a child says that someone touched their cookie or their peach, it would be very difficult for the person listening to that child to understand what in the world they are actually talking about. Are they talking about a cookie? Are they talking about a vagina, right? right? Like, right. how do you make that distinction? And I mean, it's very important that this information comes from you. Let's be honest. Who do we want our children getting their information from? You or Google. Yes. Right? You or their peers who have also a very, very limited knowledge and only know what they know from maybe other peers or maybe something they Googled or saw something inappropriate. Absolutely. So who would you rather your children get their information from? Right. I think it's important because, you know, it's so important that the children have, like we said, the correct names because it avoids so much confusion. But, you know, if they ever had to report it or let you know, but it also gives the impression when you don't teach them the right names, it gives them the impression that it's something to be embarrassed by. Right. Right. Or it's something to be intimidated by or ashamed of. Yeah. That whole shame aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't, we don't want our children to be shame, feel shamed about their body, mm-hmm. ashamed about their body. We don't want them to be embarrassed about their body. We want them to be proud of them. We want to teach them how to keep themselves safe, how to keep their body safe and to give them that positive body image right? Because not only when you do that, that positive body image, it also helps them to create an, an honest and an open dialogue between the two of you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and subsequently down the road between them and their partners, right? Their future partners, their future spouse, that they can have those conversations in a mature way, 
in a real way and one that makes sense. Absolutely. Very well said. So like we were saying, knowing the correct names for genitalia, male and female genitalia, and understanding that these specific parts of their bodies are private and are under their own control, having that knowledge helps protect children from sexual predators. It protects children from sexual abuse. Right. Again, because they're confident in their body image, they've been trained, I guess, conditioned Conditioned, by their parents how to maybe not put themselves in those situations, what to do if a situation happens, right? So that that is how they protect themselves. Right. And and they can't protect themselves if they haven't been, I don't want to say warned, I don't want it to be scary, Mm -hmm. right? We don't want it to be scary, but we need to make kids aware that these are some signs to look for. These are, you know... If somebody touches you in a certain spot, you know, to know the name of that, because that's just information for them. It's education. And parents are usually wondering, at what age can I start talking to my kids about this stuff? Like, when is it appropriate? And the answer is as early as you possibly can. Right. We are in the pre-kindergarten classrooms talking about private body parts and teaching them that anything that's covered by a swimsuit is a private part of their body. Right. And that no one has the right to touch those areas. Right. Unless it's mommy and daddy giving a bath or going to the doctor. But we always say even with the doctor, there's stipulations. Mm -hmm. Mom or dad have to be in the room. Right. Right. You can't be with a doctor alone. So there are stipulations, but we need to talk about it. Talking about it is so important. And to ask them, you know, once you talk about it, do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. You know, I so I'm a parent of three. And we've had this conversation. I've had this conversation with my children. And when I broke it down and, you know, talked to them about it, and I was expecting, okay, there's going to be a barrage of questions. We didn't make it a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, there was, they were like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, oh. And and it, it just left, you know, it left them wiser and it left them safer. And it was nothing to feel ashamed about and it left them know and it left them knowing that they can talk about it with you right yeah absolutely so some of the words that you know that we avoid right (laughs) anus penis testicles vulva vagina right when they know these words they're also better able to talk to their doctors because you can't go in the doctor's office and say i'm having an issue with my cookie right that you need to be really specific about that and Again, we keep talking about that, but if they ever have to report something, you want them to be able to give you the proper names. So how do we even start this kind of conversation, Uh, Michelle? How do we even start this? It is a little bit weird. It is. I mean, again, we we sort of talked about that age. And when I was working as an EA in the school, we Mm -hmm. would take the grade five kids. Um, I would take the girls and the the male teacher would take the boys. And we'd, we'd have this conversation and the book that we each got to read was called where do I come from and that was a really great book it it opened the door for that conversation it was it didn't make a big deal out of anything um but it was surprising to me in grade five how many of these kids didn't know oh yeah where they came from absolutely so again there's no appropriate age but yes the earlier you can do it I think that the better right and if you're uncertain about it then practice practice saying the names 
we're a lot more open with children now than we were in my generation, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about Mm -hmm. these things. We didn't say, we all had funky names for (laughs) our genitalia, (laughs) right? But I think we're coming to a a realization that that has to change. That has to be changed. Yeah. Right. So as early as you can start talking about it and get everybody on board with it, mom and dad, right? I know it's a little bit awkward, that whole dad, dad, daughter thing, or, you know, that sort of thing. But when you're open about it, it doesn't have to be weird. And remember the amount of detail you're going to provide to your children is going to depend on their age, right? So our conversations are always going to be age appropriate, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's their genitals or otherwise. Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do, you guys, is to give your children the self-confidence to say no to unwanted contact. We said in our first episode, the power of saying no, right? And how we encourage our children when we're in the schools and we're facilitating these programs to say no, and that it's okay to say no. That's a power that sometimes we don't even know we have as children. So Kayla, what are some of the What are some of the names (laughs) for genitalia? We're getting in this, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, Well, you said peach. peach. Yeah. Yeah. Peach peach cookie. Those are kind of the go-to ones. I've also heard hoo-ha before. I don't really know what body part specifically a hoo-ha is. I don't know if that's vagina, penis, or testicle related. I really have no idea. Um, Frump, I've heard for vagina. Frump. Frump. F-R-U-M-P, frump. That doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't. doesn't. I've heard snot box for vagina. No. So so as a teacher, if a child came up to me and said, my cousin touched my snot box, okay. I would think... I would think it's a no. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. See, it's so snot misleading. Box. Potentially yeah. just so, so misleading and so dangerous. Yeah. JJ, so dangerous. right? That's another one. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Walnut whip. Walnut whip <laughs> for a boy. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, sometimes kids just make things up because they don't know any other way to say it. Yep. Because they haven't been taught. Exactly. They haven't been told. We we watched a webinar. Do you remember that? We watched a webinar not very long ago. And the lady was telling us about how it was so surprising for her that she worked in maternity. Mm. That... So many of the women coming in to deliver babies could not name their body parts. They didn't know. That's frightening. Right? Or or they had a difficult time saying their body part names. Well, that's the time of your life that, you know, you should not be feeling any shame. You should, I mean, you're all out there for everybody to see anyway. Yes, so just so you kind of lose that little bit of dignity that you have. But again, that's why it's so important to learn these things younger. So it doesn't become something you're embarrassed to talk about. It's, it's good for your health. So I actually found a, another lovely post on Facebook. Um, and the first title, it says, okay, so you really actually want to stop pedophilia and child abuse. And it has some really good points in it. So the first one, you can help stop pedophilia by not protecting and harboring your family, pedophile, or abuser. Mm. Call them out. Make them uncomfortable. People who do stupid things tend to do stupid things because a community somewhere has made them feel like their behavior is acceptable. I don't care if it's your brother, uncle, grandma, or child. Do not tolerate it. Warn others about them. If you know your family abuser slash pedophile is around unsuspecting women or children, say something. Report it and don't keep the family secret. 
you know, again, coming from that generation where you did keep it a secret. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about those things. Right. And it was tolerated. And I don't care if you're three or 13, that messes with you. Mm -hmm. You lose Mm -hmm. a part of yourself that you can never get back. Mm -hmm. And because you weren't able to share it, you harbored that secret forever. And that just eats away at you. It eats away at your confidence. It eats away at your ability to have a trusting relationship with mm-hmm. somebody, that sort of thing. It does nobody any good to harbor an abuser. An abuser. And the second one, auntie or uncle trying to force a hug out of a child, right? We talked about this in episode one. Right. Call it out. Auntie or uncle might not be an abuser, but the child will learn they have the right to say no and that their autonomy is protected. Like we talked about with our piercing story, our ear Mm -hmm. piercing story in the last episode. It's so important to have, let children have the ability to say no if they do not want to hug somebody. And that's also something new. It is. Right? Yeah, 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 it is. Absolutely. And I think we're getting, you know, we're growing out of that that generation of people where children were meant to be seen and not heard. Yes. You hugged smelly auntie Jean. Yes. You just put up with it. You put up with the cheek grabs and you know, absolutely. The bra snaps from creepy uncle. So number three, talk to children about their interactions. Ask them if they feel comfortable around anyone and everyone ask about their comfortability level. Preschool teachers, their grandma, child friends, cousins, everyone, no matter how innocent or unassuming they may seem, always have an open line of communication and get ahead of the tactics that abusers use to manipulate or groom women and children. Just talk. Just talk. Just talk, man. Yeah. And and also what that's doing to them is creating that awareness that this is something I need to pay attention to. Yes. Right? What well, you know, yeah, it gives me the creeps when neighbor George comes over, mom, but I never, you know, I never really thought about it. I just felt creepy. Well, there's a reason you feel creepy. Yeah. Right? Your body knows. Yes. Right? That spidey sense we talked about last week. Yes. Trust right? it. Yeah. And teach your kids to trust it. Yes. That's huge. Yes. That's huge. Because, um, well, the other thing, one of those tactics you talked about, when kids are abused or something bad happens to them, their abuser will use scare tactics, right? To have the child not tell anybody. It's part of the grooming, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and we have to teach the kids that they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to kill mom or dad. Mm-hmm. They are not going to, you know, all of the, kill your puppy, you know, those, those things though. You have to be able to come to know that, you can come to mommy, daddy and tell us and that we will protect you. Um, you'll never be left alone with that person again. You know, so when you teach the children that beforehand, even before anything happens with anybody, there, there doesn't even have to be anything going on. We are teaching our children that safe adults never, ever, ever, ever ask you to keep secrets. Absolutely. Never. Safe adults being the key word there. Safe adults in your life will never ask you to keep secrets. What a powerful statement to teach children. I mean, the other thing you can say and let them know, and they should know, no one, not even mommy and daddy, are allowed to touch your body without your permission. 
And even if you've given permission, kind of going with our consent Mm -hmm. video, boundaries and consent, that you are allowed to change your mind. Yep. It's reversible. Yep. It's reversible. And the other thing that we need to do is this is an ongoing conversation. This is an ongoing um, communication that we have to have with our kids. It's, it's ongoing action. They need to see this in action every day. It's, it's not just a one-time conversation and then we push it under the table and, you know, that we continue to talk to our kids about their body parts. Yep. And it's behavior that needs to be practiced. Yep. Every day. Yep. Yep. Every single, every single day. Because the things that we're not aware of is how frequently and how easily the bad things can happen. 55% of sexual abuse cases occur in the victim's home. 12% occur in a relative's home. 93% of victims know their abuser. Say that one more time, Michelle. 93% of victims know their abuser. I I mean, that just goes to show how frequently it happens under the home familial roof. I go back and and I think of... Because I've I've worked with women's empowerment, I've had many of these conversations with women, and uh, I probably ninety nine percent of the bad things or who they were abused by was somebody that they knew. Scary, and most of the time it was a relative. So it starts at home, and it starts with you. And I just wanted to add to that, Michelle. If anyone takes away anything from this episode, take away this. At the end of the day, you need to listen to your children. You need to truly listen, not just hear what they're saying. You need to listen to what they're saying and you need to respect their voices and you need to teach them that their voice matters. Their voice matters. You know, part of that, we talk about the bad things that happen. The other way that we can teach our children to be safe is um, it comes along with that whole social media thing and getting their pictures taken. Mm. We talked about how it's important that we we ask them if we can touch them, right? Do you want a hug today? Do you want a high five? Right. But also, hey, do you mind if I take your picture today? Yes. Are you feeling it? I, I have a I have a surly teenager right now. <laughs> he does not want me to ever take his picture. Right. right. He is. If the camera comes out, he is. He bolts. He bolts, or he holds his hands up, or he hides behind a sofa pillow, or you know something. And for us, it's a bit of a game. Right. And I just think, man, but I want pictures of my teenager. So sometimes, you know, I'll be like, come on, you know, that sort of thing. And he, again, it's just a game with him. But I also consider his feelings like, you know what? He's just not feeling it today. Of course not. And you You have to, you have to consider that. that. Good on you, Michelle. Absolutely. When we teach kids that people should seek their approval for these kind of things, it gives them power, Mm -hmm. right? It gives them a little bit of power and, as kids, your power is stripped pretty, pretty easily. You know, we're being told what to do. No is, <laughs> no is something we hear all the time. Totally. And all the, I mean, it's mostly mm-hmm. for our own protection as children, <laughs> but we don't realize it at the time. Right. And we, and like you said, at some point, maybe we feel we don't have a voice as a child. Yeah. But give them that voice. So can we all just take a vow right now? What vow? <laughs> can we all just vow and promise to never use the words coochie? <laughs> Or we we again, <laughs> you know, scouts honor on my end <laughs> for the health and for the safety of our children. Yeah. All right. Let's take the vow. No Absolutely. more coochie. No more wee wee. No more monkey. No more cookie. 
We are vowing to use proper terminology when it comes to our body parts. <laughs> Yay. When we go into the schools and we're, I mean, when we say body parts and whatnot, we say vagina or penis. You can only imagine the kind of reaction that we get from our kids, right? Yeah. We get blushy red faces. We get, <gasps> we get the hands over the mouth. We get just like pure embarrassment. You can see it in the core of their body, how uncomfortable they are. And it doesn't matter if they're in pre-K or grade 12. That's right. And we always say, instead of saying gross to the word penis, we say, hmm, interesting. So by the end of one of our programs, we usually have a class full of kids going, hmm, interesting, because we're all very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun. Get used to it. That's what I say. Get used to it. Yeah. Say penis like you can say elbow. Yeah. Get used to it. What's that movie? Is that Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger? (gasps) Good one, yes. that little kid in kindergarten? (laughs) Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Yes. Right? It's like, good on you. Yes. Everyone that. strive to have that confidence. <laughs> yeah. 100%. In, in kindergarten. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it's for their own health. It's for their own safety. It's for their own protection. That's right. And it's for their own education. Very well said, Michelle. Do you have anything to add before we close off this episode? When you try something new like this, you never know how it's going to be um taken totally right? and these aren't these aren't always comfortable conversations but what we're trying to do is to help parents raise empowered children to raise children who feel good in their bodies mm-hmm. and have great positive body images and to mm-hmm. not feel that shame mm-hmm. or that embarrassment i mean that's our goal right? that's always our goal again to help parents to facilitate these co- types of conversations these necessary conversations Mm -hmm. with their children so that it doesn't have to be weird. And we're here to tell you it ain't weird. It ain't weird. It ain't weird, man. We've heard it all. It ain't weird. You just make it part of your normal every day. It does not have to be weird. And with that, we're going to close off our second episode of the BASAC view again. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we look forward to episode number three. See you later. See ya.